In the week where the AFL COVID-19 policy was tested to absolute breaking point, we look into all the consequences from the Melbourne Essendon postponement game. And after that, we're going to look at suggested hubs and all other possible AFL topics relating to COVID. But we're also going to look into the most under-pressure athlete in the world at the moment, Novak Djokovic, following his exhibition match series in Europe. All that's to come on the Under Pressure podcast. I'm Matt Ellis, and joining me is Jake Barker. Welcome back. Thanks, Matt. It's been a really intense week of sport, I'd have to say. There's a, there's a lot going on in Australia and in the world, as you just mentioned. So yeah. there's and a bit to talk about. Unfo- yeah, and unfortunately, it's been a lot of the off-field stuff that have really caught the under-pressure moments that we're going to focus on. There's been a lot of great under-pressure moments on the footy field. And I thought, um, I'm not doing this to frustrate you, Jake, but my moment of the weekend was Eddie Betts. That tackle he did in the last few last minute of the Geelong, uh, Carlton Geelong game shows just highlights the great player and future Hall of Fame player that Eddie Betts is. I know as a Geelong supporter, it would have been a tough moment for you to enjoy, but as a footy fan, I know you would have loved that moment. Yeah, I can I can respect the good players when they do good things. I know Eddie's on his on his last legs, as we all know. But coming back to Carlton was a, I reckon, a fantastic idea for him to mentor some of the young forwards, and he showed on the weekend why he's still a great forward and one of the all-time great small forwards in in the game of AFL. Yeah, it was phenomenal, and I I think when you think of Eddie Betts, you think of the great goals. Um, some of the goals that he kicked uh, kicked from his pocket at the Adelaide Oval, but that that tackle to me is right up there in Eddie Betts's very illustrious career. But as I said, it was the off-field under the under pressure off-field moments that caught our eye, and it all sort of reached boiling point, or the water started to boil and continued boiling for a few days about 4pm on Saturday when it was revealed that Connor McKenna had tested positive to COVID-19 and Gil McLaughlin spoke outside the MCG about what that meant for the AFL. With Melbourne and Essendon being Melbourne game being postponed, it creates a lot of questions and queries about did the AFL handle it well? Could they have handled it better? It being the first case, I think let's just take the test, uh, the false positive and the false negative stuff out of the equation for the time being. I thought the AFL did a good job. There's some things that they will definitely do differently next time. Um, but I thought they did a pretty good job. Yourself? Yeah, I tend I tend to agree. When you, when you first hear that that type of thing, it's um, you you think that yeah, that's never good, and you always think the negative. But you're right, the AFL did handle it pretty well. And, and I thought they, they took a bit of a leaf out, out of the, uh, the NRL's book when they had that um, player, their, their daughter, of a, they went to a school and a teacher had COVID-19 and their game got called off and they rescheduled that and the NRL handled that as well, really well. And I thought, yeah, I thought the AFL took a really good um, leaf out of their book and, and did the same thing, that the... The powers, the powers of both the NRL and the AFL have done really well in dealing with 
situations that have arised so far in both their leagues? Yeah, um, I definitely uh, understand your point. Um, my issue is I don't think they did the full NRL approach, which they could have done, because if they did, I think there would have been a game tonight. Uh, tonight's uh, Wednesday and the Melbourne Essendon game would have happened tonight. Um, as far as its postponements concerned, I know Jared uh, uh, Waitley said on AFL 360 the other night, night uh, Peter Volandi would have put the game on midweek. They, I, I, I tend to agree. The AFL did say that they need to be nimble, agile and whatnot in moving the fixture around. I, I just feel like they haven't done that as well as they could have because it would have been great for everyone if that game did go ahead this week. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. That's probably the one thing that sort of that sort of puts them a little bit under pressure rather than the NRL because the NRL dealt with it first and dealt with it really well. So anything that the AFL did was going to be very much scrutinised if they didn't do it not the same yeah. way but in the ways that that it should be done. And having not played the game yet is a bit bit of an iffy move, I think, from the AFL. And I think we all knew sort of late Saturday or early Sunday when it was confirmed that Melbourne would be playing an AFL-sanctioned practice scratch match against themselves. Once once the AFL gave the green light for that, it sort of put a red light on again this week prior to this weekend. Which, to be fair, is I think I think Melbourne deserved the hit out they they were ready for a hit out they wanted a hit out and they had done the training regime to be at peak fitness for the match so they needed again because given at the time they'd done nothing wrong whereas Essendon there was the, still the potential that uh Conor McKenna could have broken the rules and it it appears that he hasn't which is um a pleasing but concerning um thing as well but we also don't know if that test is actually a legitimate legitimate positive due to some failings with the the um not not failings but issues with the test coming back as a false negative yesterday yeah no it it is a little bit of an issue getting getting something that has been tested and tested positively and then coming back to a negative there's there's not a whole i don't like i don't like the fact that it's been turned around on its head. I know I'd much rather yeah. players not have COVID, but it's it's a little bit of a concern, I think, to to see that that change. That's not so much a fault with the AFL. That's more a fault with the um the testing regime. It's more on the end, which is the same testing regime that if you or I went to a shopping centre or to a COVID station uh, to get tested, we 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 that those ramifications could have happened to us as well. My my question to you is: We're now we've now had one COVID case, and it's highly possible that we'll have another. Um, you sort of copped the brunt of my frustration of not seeing my team play on the weekend. Um, the one thing that I did get a very strong opinion on over the weekend is: if a player breaks the rules and their game against another side is postponed that side should forfeit if they did breach the rules. 
So the so so what you're asking so what you're so, asking so just is let's, so let's just say if Connor McKenna did break the rules and breached the COVID policy set on every AFL player, and then the Essendon could not field a team because they had to figure out who's deemed as a close contact while they're all in quarantine. If that happened again and Connor McKenna was guilty of breaching the rules, Melbourne in this case should have been awarded the four points. So if 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 the club or the a player is negligent and a game has to be postponed, it's a forfeit. So you're saying if even if the 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 player Connor Connor McKenna in this case was just had just come in on his own accord and not listened to the advice of the Essendon officials and things like that. Are you saying that Essendon should be punished from that? Yes, yes. The, the, ultimately, the clubs are responsible for their players' safety and well-being. And if they breach the COVID regulations and get COVID, and you can't field a team in a game, that's a forfeit. It's it's a difficult situation. It's it's it's, it's, it's a it's a very harsh penalty. But these players need to understand they've signed up to play in the AFL this year. They've signed up essentially again earlier this year when they found out that there would be stricter regulations. You break those rules, you get COVID, your side can't play a game, that's a forfeit. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious just to see if there was an actual if there was an action plan for this. And I don't reckon yeah. there would have I don't reckon there would have been because I it's been the, a very it's, slow it's, process. Yeah. Yeah, it's clear now that there wasn't. But if the player had done nothing, if the player had broken no rules and they still got COVID due to getting it at the shop, uh, at the supermarket when you get essential items, which they're allowed to do, and they get sick that way, no issue. There's no forfeit for any team because no one's broken the rules. But if you break the rules, you lose the points. Yeah, it, it is a it is a harsh penalty, but. If it were to come to it again, and then no players could play, then, then, then maybe you have to go with that route. If if there's no time permitting at the the end of the season or at a time during the season. Yeah, I think the I think looking at it, I think the argument of saying oh Melbourne and Essendon can play at the end of the year that week between finals, um, the season and the finals. I think that is a a stupid path to take because we we could have ten games to play that, or you know, we can only have nine, but there could be a team that has just been in the unfortunate situation of being in that position twice. So my, my concern now is for both Melbourne and Essendon to have, if they're coming off a four-day break, to play each other, and then they're having to play someone else the following weekend, that, that the team that they're playing must have a similar or suitable um, same time between games. Because you don't want your side to be coming off um, two games in five days against you playing a team that hasn't played in seven days because that's not fair for the side that's played more. No, no, I completely agree with that as well. You, you only want your your, your mm. six to six day break at most, maybe five, but they don't they don't tend to do any more than or any less than six these days. So it would be a, yeah. at a fair disadvantage. And um, Melbourne captain uh, Max Gorn did say during the week that um, there's been some jokes around the club, whether they're from Melbourne's fitness guru, Darren Burgess, that he 
is very well equipped for this situation, given that he used to work in the uh, English Premier League with some of the big clubs there like Arsenal and Liverpool, where they were also in the Champions League, where they would play Saturday, Sunday, then play a Champions game midweek, Wednesday, Thursday, and then back up and play again on the Saturday and Sunday um, and back it up. So Melbourne's probably got the best fitness person in, in the game regardless, but he's someone that knows this sort of situation, albeit in a different sport, really well. Yeah, no. If it's if it's the year to have Darren Burgess on your side, it's it's definitely this season because he is you saw with Port Adelaide a few years ago now, and obviously with the two higher class Premier League teams that he does a, he does a fantastic job, and it could benefit Melbourne towards the end of the year, I think. Yeah, and uh, looking at it, um, looking very much outside into the Melbourne Football Club, uh, he's already helped uh, Harley Bennell get onto the park. He's all, Melbourne's already starting to see the benefits of the Darren Burgess era of the Melbourne Football Club, which is one of the reasons why they um, tried and get him to join Asada, which they obviously did. My next question, Jake, I personally haven't decided my opinion on it, um, is obviously the COVID situation in Victoria is getting severely worse and the fears of a second wave are looking more likely day by day. Is it, and given that there are 10 sides in the AFL from Victoria, are we starting to get to that point where a second lockdown might actually be legitimately on the cards? Well, with everything, you you always know that there could could be a very, very legitimate chance that it could happen again. It's, It's happened once before and things don't often just strike the once they, they come back again. And I'm sure the AFL will have plans in place if it gets to a certain point that they need to stop, stop the season again. I know Gillan McLaughlin said at the start of the year that um, he has a certain amount of time for this season to be played in. And if he needs to stop the season again, at some point he will. And I feel that all the players and teams will be ready for that situation. If it, if it, if it arises. Yeah, and just adding on to that, I'm I'm an essential worker. I do a lot of work in the streets of Melbourne. And for me, the panic and the uncertainty is very similar at the moment in public to what it was sort of in the lead up to round one when we we're like, should we play? Should we not? Are we playing? It's starting to definitely feel that um, un insecurity unsure of in public at the moment and I know people say oh, AFL players have played a, a lot of money to play football it's ev- pretty much every kid's dream too remember these guys might have young families um, and potentially going into hubs is just a not, a, not an option for some players they need to be with their families for their, for their families benefit but also for their mental well-being is it worth taking it, that into consideration and going, hey, maybe the hub idea is not the best idea right now, given how high the level of uncertainty is? Well, yeah, in Victoria, I would say, I would say so. We, we know that, that there's going to be, that other, other states are going well, as in a sense, better than, than what Victoria, Victoria is. You have Perth having, I believe, it's like 60,000 
people had to attend games. So that's that's insane. So they're they're on the increase as well. Adelaide, I think, is up to now twenty thousand. So in terms of the Victorian hub, and because it's pretty much the entirety of the competition, or pretty much over half of the competition. If it came to it, I, I think the AFL would stop it, which, which I don't think is is right with with the interstate teams having done all this hub stuff already. And I know that Victorians may not be able to fly in and out at, at some point if that were the case, but I just don't think that's fair on the interstate teams if that were to happen. That's that's one of the reasons why I'm still unsure. And I know Tim Kelly was allowed to take his family to the hub in the Gold Coast, but um, I know Basha Hooley at the, excuse me, at the start of the year was saying he, he doesn't know if he would go into a hub if it's for an extended period of time to be away from the family. We don't know if WA or South Australia or Northern Territory or even Queensland might allow Victor- um, Victorians into their state if they're not AFL footballers, their families might not be allowed. And if, if those restrictions start to come in, I think the AFL will have a lot of very serious questions to ask of, should we keep on going? Yep. Because some players 100%. might Because some players might go, actually, I don't, I don't want to go if I can't be with my family. And how many players, like, let's just say if they keep on going and say, let's push through. How many big name players out will it take before we start to say there is a huge asterisk against this year's winner because this player wasn't playing, this player wasn't playing, this side is no longer anywhere near the side that they should be. There's those questions. I know people are starting to say there's an asterisk on this year with that much um, compromise, but it's just a question that we don't want more compromise if possible. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And hopefully we don't get to that point. Otherwise, you're right, there will, I think, if, if it did happen again, then the, the talks of it being a very much an asterisk on the season will, will uh, be right up in lights, I think. Could it come to a point, and this is a question without notice, if the, if the Victorian sides are locked in, Victoria, and they can't go out to interstates and the rest of the sides can play each other. Do you think the season would lose integrity? So let's just use Geelong for an example. They play Carlton twice this year, but, uh, but they don't play West Coast at all. Do you think that is still a suitable way to get all 17 rounds in or 155 games, as Gil has called it before, if some teams don't play anyone at all, but play some teams twice? If they, if they did it the way you're saying, if all the Victorian teams were, were stationed in Victoria and everyone else was set to play each other wherever, I think... And then at the back end of the season, a few Victor- the, everyone can play everyone again in the lead-up to finals. Yeah, I, I think they'd go as far as playing everyone that they haven't played so far and drawing it out as far as they can until they need to play teams for the second time. Yeah. Do you think if teams did play teams for a second time and didn't play another side, do you think that would um, add another asterisk or a bigger asterisk on this season? Oh, if, if the season's not 
uh, fair we'll go with, then definitely there's a big asterisk on it, I think. Um, I'm not trying to catch you out here, but do you, does that, and it's a different sport, but the AFLW, they don't play every team once. I, I don't think anyone's question or really questioning um, who won it last year. I, I don't see an asterisk on that series. I know it's a smaller series and it's in a developing code, but I'm just saying there's no asterisks there. Why should it be different in the AFL or the AFLM, as I like to call it sometimes? <laughs> I wonder if they'll use that in years to come. But, yeah, no, I can certainly understand why, Why, yeah, why the AFLW would feel that way. They they obviously, as you said, don't play everyone. So, But I think that's because they're, they're a growing league and they're, they're, they're finding their... They're well and truly finding their feet and, and still are, but and they've created a, a great game and and a great spectacle for fans. But I think once they get to the full 18-team competition, then, then you can sort of start talking, playing everybody once. Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic of the AFLW, I thought I'd do a quick segue here, but really good news uh, during the last uh, 24 hours that there will be no budget cuts to the AFLW and it'll continue as planned. I think that is a really good news story to come out. Um, some people said if the AFL got cut, AFLW should have cuts, but the AFL already lost the, the remainder of their season. So they've already had a loss, being the loss of their final series. I think it's great that the AFLW can proceed as planned. But it also brings up a very good point I heard on SEN this afternoon by um, Melbourne captain Daisy Pierce, who was discussing that the AFL now has come in line with the AFLW, you could say, with the 16-minute quarters. The AFLW have had that since their inception and the AFL sort of gone in that direction of a, a lot lower scoring um, t- and tighter, more congested game. So it was a really interesting point that um, Daisy Pierce raised there with um, the 16-minute quarters could free up if they extended the games in the AFLW. It could free it up a bit. Yeah, so when it, when it was the 20-minute the 20 quarters, obviously, as it has been, it's be better than your opponent for longer. At this point in time, you could... It, it, that's not the case anymore. You, you have to be better for a, just a certain period of time. That the game doesn't. There's not enough. It doesn't seem like we've lost a lot of game time, but in, in the whole scheme of things, it is. It is a fair chunk of the game that, that's gone out. But I think that games are becoming more congested, like you said, and that's that's why the scores are becoming so low and so tight and. And, and why is why we're seeing these teams that may not have done well if the 16-minute quarters weren't introduced, they they feel like they can stay with the better teams for for longer periods of time during the game, and then games get a lot closer because there's obviously less time on the clock. Yeah, it's it was definitely an interesting point, but we now know with the round six fixture being announced that Geelong and Richmond will be joining both the Fremantle and the West Coast Eagles 
in a hub in WA, which as a Geelong supporter, Jake, how does that make you feel? Well, in terms of making the season fair for everyone and creating hubs, and I'm glad that they're doing a WA hub. I think that's good. In terms of in terms of being a Geelong supporter and going over there, I, I, everyone has. I'm guessing everyone's going to have to do it once. So why not have it be now? And I think I think it'll be fine. I think it's it, it's a it's a good initiative just to send a few teams up over to Perth and and knock some games over before coming back home. Um, as as a Melbourne supporter, I, I'm I'm going to be honest. I was let, left a little bit puzzled by the round six fixture, you might say. Um, Melbourne have, in round five, go to Sydney to play the um, Sydney Swans. And now in round six, they go to Metricon to play Fremantle, which does rule out any chance of Melbourne going to WA for the rest of the year, given that they've played both WA clubs. So if they did have to hub up, it would either be Northern Territory or South Australia or Queensland. My question is, is it a bit unfair on Melbourne, given that they've had their first six games of the year, they've only had one home game? I mean, it's, it's never... Un- at the MCG. I mean, it's never ideal to start in this, in this way, but I think every AFL club knows that their time will come to be in their home state for a period of time. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think... I, 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 can, I completely understand that it would be very frustrating to begin a season like this, but they're going to make the season as fair and as tight as possible. Everyone's going to play each other once. Everyone's going to get the same amount of home games. Everyone's going to get the same amount of away games and hub games. Yeah, no, completely agree. My, my one fear is given the current climate in Victoria is if Melbourne get their huge chunk of home games in a hub where they're not playing at the MCG and bearing in mind that their first six rounds of football, they could have only played one game at the MCG with the postponement of the Essendon game. I just think that's, it doesn't, obviously we need to see more of the fixture. It just doesn't sit well with me at this exact point in time. But as you said, the AFL will make this season as fair as possible. Moving overseas now, um, Novak Djokovic, the world number one tennis player, is under some of the biggest bouts of pressure I think any athlete is in the world with the exhibition series that he had where he and his wife had since tested positive to coronavirus. What do you think about where that currently sits, Jake? with Novak's reputation moving forward? Well, obviously, he's one, of, he's one of one of the biggest sporting stars in the world. Like, wherever he goes, people know his name. And it's just a silly move. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a little bit of a shock that he actually did, actually did this, which it was so surprising. I saw it was out of the blue. I didn't even realise that there was going to be an exhibition tournament happen. I know there are some high-end players. The likes of um, Grigor Dimitrov was also there. Um, Viktor Troitsky and a couple of other young players, just just to name a few. 
and and I believe they have it as well. So it, it it's clear to see that that this has created a big situation for Novak. And I don't know really. I don't really know what he's thinking at the moment. There was there was some footage of the all the players at a party, and it was just no social distancing. Let's just say that it was a very dumb decision, in my opinion. I I I I'd almost go further to say it's the dumbest thing that we've seen by a professional athlete in recent memory. I, I can't think of a, a top-tier athlete do anything as stupid and as negligent as this. And um, a couple of tweets from Nick Kyrgios caught my eye. Um, this one was from earlier in the week uh, where he said, bonehead decision to go ahead with the exhibition. Speedy recovery, fellas. But that's what happens when you disregard all protocol. This is no joke. And then he followed up with, uh, in the last couple of days, with, or actually in the last 24 hours, saying, prayers up to all players who have contacted COVID-19. Don't at me for anything I've done that has been irresponsible or classified as stupidity. This takes the case. And I don't, and that tweet is associated with a video of the party in in the club. And I'm going to say, Nick Kyrgios, you are 100% right. This is just a stupid decision by Novak and the other players. And... Everything that you've written in that tweet, I agree with to the fullest extent. It's not often that uh, that anyone or a lot of people would agree with Nick Kyrgios, but in this case, he, he, he is right, and you, you can't you can't deny that. And he he's pointed out pointed out the obvious, and I reckon everyone's thinking it as well. He just wanted to get it out there, as he's a high profile name as well. To be fair to Nick, I think what he's done in 2020, I haven't actually had a moment where I've actually criticised Nick since the start of this year. He did a superb job with the bushfires, starting the um, ser- uh, the serving campaign with Aces in the Australian summer. And since then, he's just gone from strength to strength and he's starting to show a lot of maturity. Back on to Novak. Jake, do you think this is permanently damaged? the Novak Djokovic brand moving forward? I wouldn't say that it's permanently, permanently damaged his ego or his profile forever. I know that a lot of people do love him and a lot of people are very forgiving. We mentioned the, the, the infamous Tiger Woods scenario Everyone now loves him again. It's it's one of those things that he's going to come back around, and it's and it, I don't think it's going to be as long as that. But I think by the time, hopefully, this is all over, that Novak will be another player again. I think I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue. Yeah, that's my personal disagree. Thing. I actually disagree with you because I think with the Tiger Woods, people still loved him. Even with his down, they went, we still love you. But right now you've stuffed up and we just need a bit of a break. 
I actually see this a bit more, and this is your headline, Jake, um, a bit like Lance Armstrong admitting that he cheated in the Tour de France. Like, I'm, I'm going to call it his stuff up is of that level of your, your, brand's, your brand's dead. You, oh, when, when, whenever crowds can come back to sports, I can't see cheers or... I, I, I see him getting booed at every single tennis event for the next 12 to 24 months, booed more than what David Warner and Steve Smith copped during the Ashes in the World Cup last year. And I think you think like, that because I, I, it, it, affects, it affects life and it affects, it affects him and it affects other people's lives where those other yeah, situations he, don't actually do that. They affect those people's lives themselves. They don't affect the people around them, which is, why, which is where I think you're going with this. Yeah, I, I, I think given where we are in, in, in the world at the moment, we are all wanting to get overcome this coronavirus situation. He goes off and does that. It's, it just amuses me that someone said, yes, Novak, this is a great idea. Let's do it. Um, I, I still don't get it. And the other element to it that I find really interesting is uh, Novak Djokovic is actually an anti-vaccine person. So even when there is a COVID vaccine, he's not going to get it. And that just adds another element. I'm not going to enter the anti-vax debate, but a lot of people are just highlighting his irresponsibleness of organising this event. And I, to be honest, I, 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 I can see, still see him dominating tennis, but I don't see the positive fanfare around Novak at all for the rest of his career. He'll have the odd fans, but... 95% of the tennis-loving world, I, I think, won't want to have a bar of him. I, I'm a li- I, I know out of the two of us, I'm a little bit more forgiving. And I think because he's an athlete and a well-known athlete around the world, I don't think... It, it, will be, it will affect him and other people for a long time, but I don't think it'll tarnish his career. No, I'm... I, I, I get what you're saying, um, but this is this is a I think a bit of a a bigger life issue at the moment than there've been some some with some of the other big scandals. And I I'll be honest, I've never really been the biggest Novak fan, but I always respected and enjoyed watching him play. Whereas right now, if you said, "Oh, you could watch the," Novak Djokovic match v, let's say, a top 20 player or something else. I would probably watch something else. Whereas you put a Rafa or a Roger v against a top 20 player, I'd watch that every single day. I I just, I, I like, one thing I've always said, sport is a great opportunity to forgive mistakes. And we've already seen the Australian and world cricket public forgive David Warner and Steve Smith. Whereas at that time, we would say that would never happen. I want to see James Hurd back in the AFL landscape in some way and give him that second chance to overcome his past mistakes. But with Novak, 
he will still compete, but I don't think he's going to get the respect that he's once had or anywhere near that. Again, I think it's going to be that brutal booing that we saw in the World Cup and the Ashes last year towards David Warner. I think it's going to be of that level of booing around his name moving forward. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, we'll end up seeing what happens in in hopefully a short amount of time <laughs> when this is all... Yeah, so my, paid- my question, question I do have here for you without notice, and there's going to be a part two to it, Roger and Rafa, does this um, COVID lockdown extend their time playing tennis? Or is it possible that we may never see them compete at that level again? I, I actually think this, this, is a, this is a good time. Personally, I am a big fan of, of Rafael Nadal, but I can understand that both of them are very, very good players. And I know Rafa's had his injuries of late, but this could be a great time for him. No tennis, getting his body right. This could set him up for, for a few more years and even break Roger's record. I know Roger has more Grand Slams than Rafa at the moment, but I think this is a great period of time for Rafa right now to get his body completely right because I know he's he's never fully 100%. He's always got some niggling thing going on. And I think this is a really good time for him to get his body ready, waiting for Grand Slams coming up. In terms of Roger, I think Roger will just go about what Roger does. He's, he's a professional and he's, he's one of the greats. And... He'll he'll play a few. I I can imagine him playing a few more tournaments post this situation and when fans and tournaments are able to happen. Yeah, I, I yeah I I I think Rafa will be back, and like you said, I think Rafa will be back stronger, better, and able to completely sort of almost do the control alt delete reset on his body. With Roger just being a couple of years older. I'm not sure if this has come at a really bad time for him um, where it might be hard for him to come back. He does have a, a young family. Um, I want to see Roger back. I'm, I'm, I'm the, I love Rafa, but I love and adore Roger. To, he's probably my second favourite athlete in the world. Um, I can't fault, fault the guy and... Um, I just have that horrible fear that we may have seen the last of him. But uh, a sport that's very close and dear to your heart is netball. And there's been an interesting rule change in the net, Super Netball League. What's, what's that all about, Jay? Yeah, so over the past week, uh, the, the, the league announced, announced, a, announced a, new, a new rule that was going to be put in place. The league's coming up starting... August 1, hopefully, even with all this all this situation going on at the moment. It's, it's, the league's one of the best, it is, the, is the best netball, netball league in the world. And, it, and, it, and one of its great strengths, I think, is the, the passion and the, the loyalty of the fans. It might be a, a smaller competition, but it is growing. And I think that's, that's the great thing about it. The... The new rule that's been approved by the, the Netball Commission is actually to include a two-point shot 
to the game of of netball and it's and it's a very it comes at a, a really strange time and a very and it's a very controversial deci- decision um marina marina go who's the chair of the netball commission uh created a a message to all the fans about about why this two-point shot has been approved for the upcoming season she was talking about that they knew that the decision obviously wasn't going to be a popular one and and obviously the commission knew that it was going to create media and public interest and it definitely got that for sure including all the players and whatnot uh, she wanted to create the debate and wanted people talking about netball which which i can see and obviously with all the commotion about all the other sports they wanted to give netball something to to talk about in, in the in the news and in the media and it's not a new it's actually not a new idea that they were thinking about they're actually thinking of entering this new rule into the league next year but they've actually pushed it forward due to the due to the current situation to make the league a bit more vibrant this year after after the the current the current climate and they're hoping that all the people that don't agree um can can slowly gain an understanding on why they've done it and and hopefully why why it's going to be good going forward but the the really funny the really funny thing is that the players weren't actually told of this decision being made so the sun suncourt netball players learnt of the the decision to trial the two-point shot during the 2020 season and they're, they're they're up in arms about it really the the australian netball Associ- players association has been gathering feedback from all the board members and players since since the announcement the other day because they they had no idea about it the the president of the netball players association um nat medhurst who also plays for the the magpies has, has said these players have in have endured an eight-month pre-season. They've dealt with pay cuts and uncertainty about the season and whether it happened with patience. Uh, we have put the game first, as we always do, for a decision of significance to be made and announced without any engagement with the players just six weeks out from the season is, is very disappointing and, and all the players and the president find very disrespectful. The players believe that this initiative has been handled very poorly and not for the first time. And, and she says this, hopefully this, nothing like this is going to happen again. It's a bit of a controversial new rule that's been included. And hopefully uh, it, it does make the game a bit more popular to those people that don't necessarily get to games and it'll make, it'll grow the game of netball and hopefully there'll be more fans to watch it in the end and more viewers on, on TV as well. So we'll find out that in a month's time with, with the games all starting on August 1. As a netball fan, Jake, is it a rule that you like? Uh, personally, no, I don't like it. They, but not, not for this competition. They do, they do have this competition called the Fast Five where they, they do have players, they do have five players aside 
it's a it's a, it's a very fast game of netball and they make it fun it's like the t20 of netball and they make it a bit more fun there's there's longer shots um rolling a lot more rolling subs and it's a, it's a bit faster and things like that so i think just leave it to those situations that those types of tournaments then yep. bring it into real competition i think they sh- they should have just left it the way it was i believe and I thought it was a good idea, and we all, we both agreed on this. Uh, that let's finish on a positive note, and that note is the Gold Coast Suns. I've loved. I've I've watched two of their games this year, and that I think is actually two, uh, one more than I did last year because I watched them when they played my side, and then I kind of went no, they're they're rubbish. I don't want to watch them. Gold Coast have been probably the most exciting team to watch this competition so far. Oh, I could, could not agree more. I've I've tuned into both of their games now. It's it's so great. I'm I'm excited to watch them play this weekend. I think they've got a huge chance and again to win. This is the first time that I think I've genuinely looked in to the fixture and gone when a Gold Coast playing. I don't think I've done that since Gary Ablett was there. Because you knew, okay, Gold Coast are going to get smashed here, but you're going to see some brilliance from Gary Ablett. That, that's exactly and that's right. Why people, that, that's why we used to tune in to Gold Coast games. And now the reason why we're turning in are due to players like Matt Rowell, who's played three games of football and has potentially got five Brownlow votes. Yeah. Is he a sneaky for the Brownlow? A ninth, people have won it in their first year before as a 20-year-old, but no one's won it as a 19-year-old. And given this year is the year of who knows what's going to happen, why why not? Matty Rowell wins the brown load. Yeah. I, this this is going to be a funny season. And look, it wouldn't be surprising to see some strange things happen and that that could be one he's had a fantastic start to his career obviously barring round one he's had rounds two and three were fantastic definitely definitely a three vote game there in round two and possibly a one or a two in the game on the weekend so the round his round two game it could have been a 10 vote game it was that perfect that it was just brilliant i i i can't remember a performance like that from a first year player Ever. No, definitely and not. I know, we spoke, I know we spoke about it a bit last week, but that uh, goal on the weekend and kicked from outside 50 on his left non-preferred foot for goal was just another thing of beauty. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. He's playing well and the, and the Suns are playing well. They've got a good mix of, of young guys like, like King and Lukosius as well, both in the forward line and the back line there. And and they've, they've brought in a, a couple of... I don't want to say veteran players, but some real good solid players in Brandon Ellis and Hugh Greenwood, who have been really good in the in the games that they've played for the Suns so far. So they're creating a really good culture down there, and hopefully another win on 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 the horizon this weekend against the Dockers down at uh, Metricon Stadium. Yeah, it's um, incredible, and who who would have thought that we would be saying? Let's see them on Friday night or Saturday night um, in the in the 
in the prime fixtures because they're playing that good. Let, let's be honest. They're a side that everyone wants to watch because partly because of Matty Rao, but they're just exciting. And Danny Corcoran there, um, the Gold Coast equivalent of Eddie Maguire of being the outlandish president, um, I think made the biggest admission in the history of the uh, Gold Coast Suns today for a positive reason. We're taking it one week at a time. When was the last time Gold Coast said, we're taking it one week at a time? Yeah, it would have been a long, would have been a long time ago, I reckon. When they were three and one, I reckon they were looking towards finals already, I think. So they, and then they didn't win a game for the rest of the year. So I don't, I think that's, they've taken a leaf out of that book and they've, they've gone with just taking it one week at a time. And hopefully, hopefully they, they do go well this season. I, I think this is this could be a season to to boost them and 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 go well into future years. I know I'm going to be watching them on Saturday night. I know the other game is uh, Essendon and Carlton, but I'll be tuning into the Gold Coast. Don't worry about that. And I think the one thing that we do need to point out here is Gold Coast, like like Brisbane, did get a huge advantage to start the year with the knowledge that they'd be playing every week at their home ground against a number of oppositions. But it was only two years ago that the Gold Coast played a home a home game in Perth, purely because they couldn't use their home ground. So sort of what goes around comes around, and it's great to see them just playing good football. Let, let's just put it that way. Great to see Gold Coast finally delivering on the AFL ground. Yeah, and it just makes for an, an all-rounded competition and more even competition, you don't just automatically go, oh, you're playing the Gold Coast Suns, you're going to win this week. It's it's genuinely yeah. a, a proper tip now, and it's and it's really good to see that all 18 teams are somewhat even to where they are on the ladder. You changed that when you had to think about Adelaide there, there Jake. You yeah, I did. Just yeah, I did. Thinking, yeah, Adelaide. But that just about does it. Uh, for us for another episode of the Under Pressure podcast. It's been an absolute privilege getting doing this podcast through the coronavirus times. And Jake and I look forward to continuing to do that as the AFL season continues, but also when all the other sports start to come back, which they are starting to do. So thank you, and we'll see you on the next. Mm-hmm.